Welcome to Freedom Junkie Radio, Govinda Tidball. You are in Sri Lanka and welcome to the show. I want to hear about you. I'm, I've heard about you, but I've never met you and um, welcome. Well, thank you very much. Uh, um, it's a pleasure and uh, a privilege to be here with you today. So yeah, I look forward to, to chatting about all these different things. We've had some interesting exchanges and I think there's a few different things that we wanted to talk about today. So let's go for it. And, um, and I'm here today completely in a personal capacity as an individual with my own thoughts, my own opinions. They are completely reflective of my own personal views and not reflective of any organization, entity, or anything else that's out there. This is, we're all allowed to have our own thoughts about different things. And we continue to grow um, as we continue to learn you know, I think as, as you and I have continued to go on our own journey of understanding, we pick up things that we, that maybe change or modify our worldview from before. So this is all a growth uh, process for everyone here and we're sharing along the way. So it's great to be here with you today and I'm excited for, for today. Well, I, I'm very happy to have you here. And so Govinda, I'm going to, say what I know about you. You've done disaster relief in, in Haiti. You've worked in tech. You've been a business consultant. You've worked for the United Nations World Food Program. You live in Sri Lanka. You've been on the front lines in our world trauma of child trafficking. And today we're going to discuss this topic and also that of ending global governmental tyranny Today we're saving the world, Govinda, and there are no words that could measure my delight in having you here today on Freedom Junkie Radio. I welcome you. And what I know is that you're a light on this planet and light is needed in dark places. So you and I are gonna go there. And um, tell me if any of that that I just said <clears throat> was incorrect. Um, I mean, those are all um, different I think different activities that I've done along the way in my journey, but we're all in a journey, right? And so what's interesting is you'll have different manifestations of your journey, but you're not any of those things. Those are just an extension of you in a certain moment of time. And so, um, so yeah, I've, I've, uh, I've done some different things and uh, I've worked with some different people. Um, I've had sets of experiences that have been quite amazing. Disaster management, development, uh, work, work in the, um, in the business world as well, in different capacities. I've worn several hats at the same time, so sometimes it gets a bit confusing, but I've done like two things at the same time, or three things at the same time. Um, but um, yeah, but here I am today, and I'm happy to share with you from those experiences from the past, but also kind of where we are right now and where we will be going in the very near future. Yeah, I want to talk about, I mean, I don't, I want to know what we can do to make the world a better place right now. So all the stuff we've done in the past is irrelevant up until right now, not irrelevant because it's who we are, but yeah. um, so first of all, are you American, but you're also Sri Lankan? Do you have dual citizenship? I'm a dual. So my dad, actually, I was born in Nebraska on a farm. Um, so I'm very much American on that side of dad married a wonderful woman from Sri Lanka and what happened was they kept both countries so we grew up um, literally bouncing between the states and Sri Lanka 
and during that time too, stopping in all these different places along the way. And actually, if you look on a globe, Sri Lanka is exactly the opposite side of the globe from Lincoln, Nebraska. So you, you could go East Coast, West Coast, didn't matter. It's going to take you two back then, like two, two and a half days, three days to get here. And um, back in the old days, so we just grew up traveling. We grew up between countries. We grew up cross-culturally. And uh, that was very normal for us. I didn't realize how unusual that was until later on. And then the, the world kind of caught up later when everybody started traveling, everybody started going everywhere. So, um, so yeah, it, it was an international upbringing. And, um, and just because of the different backgrounds of my family, I had so many different exposures and opportunities to, to do things with those backgrounds, whether it be in business, um, the, the aid world, the de development world, um, my parents, you know, they started helping some people just because of their own personal life experience. They just started helping some people when about three years old and that grew into some huge thing and huge program. Um, and uh, actually, you can check that one out. It's called Community Concern Sri Lanka. You can see what that is. Um, so that's actually to this very day, that project is here in Sri Lanka. Um, I'm on the board of directors there, but um, they do shop sponsorships. Uh, people coming off of drug addiction. They have um, orphanages. They work with uh, um, kids across this country. There's just so there's just a lot of different things that are encompassed inside that program. But um, you know, it just was people helping people. That's how we how they started there. My so development was something that was just kind of like something we did. And then um, my introduction to the disaster management side of things was because of the tsunami that happened back in 2004. So I was actually on a, I was on a plane flying to Sri Lanka when the tsunami hit. So I was actually in route to come here. And um, I had about 18 hours where I didn't know if I still had a family. So I was the last person to that was going to be coming here. And so I was one of the first people to actually get into the country because I was already on the way. And um, so we just hit the ground running once we once I got here. And um, and then after that, actually, the rest of the whole global press and the aid world and the big agencies showed up and we were already involved doing a lot of things. And so at that stage, I just kind of decided I'd spend at least a year um, doing this and i was just going to do it as a volunteer and then i had people starting asking me to contract for them work with them help them i was already engaged so it kind of grew from that into um so a couple of groups i really liked um one from england one from the states and um yeah they just said hey come work with us we'll get some of your training that you may be missing we'll we'll round that out and um started here and then pretty soon they were asking me to work with them throughout um, South Asia, a little bit in Africa. Um, and I was just one of these people that was part of that roster that could also get pulled in on short notice. So um, yeah, so that was very interesting. The last big major thing that I was involved with that was in the global press was Haiti. And um, after the, the earthquake there. So um, I spent five months in Haiti on two different rounds during 2010, I think that was 
And um, yeah, and so, you know, during that time, you work with um, different agencies, but also um, you see a lot of things as well. And uh, it was, you know, it's, it's difficult because there's already, a lot of these places already have vulnerabilities before bad things happen. And then when a disaster or an emergency gets tossed on top of that, it just makes it that much worse. So whatever was a vulnerability before gets just amplified. So it just sounds like you've been witness to a lot of human suffering. Um, yeah, um, you could say that. So. And, and you manage to have a positive outlook and a positive message when I've heard your podcast um, it, tell us real quick how people can that because uh, that's how I've heard your voice before is your podcast it's called faith mix yeah so it's called well actually so faithmix.com was so what happened there was just kind of during my college days um, early days of the internet podcasting I guess um, I just started uh, just the idea was to I just had something to say and so, um, you know, and I kind of was impressed within myself at that time uh, to have our own property, if you would. I mean, just because it was like someplace where at least you, you knew you could go and put things and people could find them. Because sometimes I would meet people when I travel and I just maybe meet them once, but there would maybe be more that I would want to share with them or more that they would want to receive. And sometimes, it's a way for me, podcasting in part is a way of multiplying yourself because maybe you and I could have a conversation once, but if we could have this conversation like we're doing today and a thousand other people could join us in this conversation, because I have also my limitations too. I can't do that conversation a thousand times one-on-one, -on -one. but if we can share that, that's just a way of spreading um, thoughts, ideas, information, encouraging each other. So faithmix.com kind of started like that. Um, there was a point that grew really fast. And then I think we were on the early, early, early stage of big tech censorship. So we were probably some of the first people to get the crackdown on the algorithms and then get like cut down on platforms and things get taken offline. And, have multiple DDoS attacks and, you know, just, so it's kind of, but we still, you know, just found a way to just keep things going. But um, so different platforms, different places, you know, you have one spot over here and a few hundred people will listen to it there and somewhere else, but it gets up. Well, so what was the message that got censored? What, what was it that you were? A, a lot of them got censored. Um, Things around, uh, well, okay, so the way that, that big tech censorship works even right now is if you just cover certain topics that, that they don't want to hear, there's not somebody sitting back there with, a, with you know, behind some keyboard listening to everything. They're not wasting their time. What they do is they just put certain blanket words out there, and if two or three things are tripped, then you go into the... Um, into a pile of, you know. Not to be shared. Not to be shared, uh, links to be broken, you know? So like 
that's that's a classic one where you may have a really good message that's going out there and people are sharing it around and then all of a sudden the link doesn't work so um but this is where too we have to kind of remove our our there's that ego element that people you know they they want to see that how many people have viewed your video how many people have seen your podcast so that's that's something which kind of part of our own growth um because you know if you do your part which is sharing what you know and and bringing it out there let the message do what it does um but you know i've yeah i've, I've so i think some of the stuff um particularly around human trafficking that was one of the things that really shocked me was when there was very good factual information that was being shared that i was either connected to that just gets taken offline and that was uh, and that was where it was like okay this is but those were kind of the early days now this has become such a big topic and everybody has become at least aware of it and um, so that's so that's sort of changed the dynamic now it's kind of people are trying to steer the narrative but and control the narrative but the conversation is out yeah, someone asked that it, a lot of people have been asking, why aren't we talking about human trafficking, child trafficking? You hear about it from time to time, but there's really no conversations. That's why I think what we're going to be talking about today is so important. And it has something to do with that. We hear about it. You know, we hear about Epstein's Island. There's movies made about it, but then it falls away into the ether because it gets so censored. I, I'm assuming that's why it's also a very uncomfortable topic for people to just sit with. You know, it, it is an uncomfortable topic, um, but it's also a necessary topic. And this is also part of growing up. You know, this is also part of people taking responsibility for their world and the world around them and not abrogating their responsibility to someone else to fix. You know, I think for me, I really... You know, it's not something I enjoy talking about. It's not something that I enjoy looking into. It's not something that I enjoy working on. But once you know that that's there, I don't know how you can continue in your humanity without doing something to just, even if it's on a small level, something to be part of solving that. Because it's, because here's the other thing too, we're all connected. And so we feel what's happening with other people. So when people, when people think, oh, okay, I'm just going to go to some beautiful tropical island and put my feet up, and but they still there's something wrong. You still know that there's something wrong within your spirit, within your soul, because you know within the world that we're in, that which you're connected to is also something. So we have responsibility once you know and once you're aware to, to engage. Now, one of the dangers that happens is, first of all, people don't want it. Then when they start becoming aware, one of the easiest things for people to do is write a check or, oh, okay, I, I, I helped this group over here. And then, so I've, I'm done, I've done that, check, check that out. But it's like, no, actually, you know, and, and it's very noble that people want to do that, but, it's the issue is so large that and it's and it is a business 
And we need to know and understand the economics of it, the ethos behind it. The, the, there's an economic component. There's a spiritual component. There is, uh, there's other pieces that all go into that. There's a damage that happens to us collectively. There's a damage that happens to society. All of those pieces need to be things that we look at and we address. And, um, and we have to become comfortable with the uncomfortable so that we can address these things that need to be taken care of. And they, they have to be because we won't progress as a species and as a world if we refuse to deal with these things that need to be dealt with. So for me, when I, when I talk about some of these subjects, um, yeah, they're, they're very, they're very, um, they're not nice subjects. And, um, but at the same time, they very much need to be addressed. And if we, if we bring that forward, and if people just say, okay, well, what one small piece can I do? If everybody did that, this would change very quickly. And I think one thing that we've, we've, we've constantly been taken off course because whenever people start to engage, you will see um, a misdirect from the institutions very deliberately to, to keep people looking somewhere else so that they don't actually look and see where the problem is, how deep it goes. So, okay, so for example, you brought up uh, Epstein, right? Okay, well, um, so that's just a loaded thing. But I, the other day I saw, you know, something on Netflix and they had done some documentary on Epstein, which is a whitewash. So it, I, my, my wife and I, we watched just a little bit of it. And, and as we got into the start of it, and it was basically trying to steer that narrative for people that might have heard something but didn't really look into it very much around two girls that were very close to being adults that, you know, where there's some inappropriateness that sort of happened there. And that, that was the wrap up that was done around this, where if anybody knew and looked into that specific case, you would see a lot of very powerful, very influential people that were involved with, um, that have traveled to, that have been engaged with, that's very uncomfortable for them. Um, you would see things that have happened with uh, the Department of Justice giving a slap on the wrist to, for, you know, in 13 months for, and, and then pushing out a number of other cases for one case that was, you know, given that they looked into and then they just kind of gave this guy a slap on the wrist. So you see the, and where people can't answer, what happened with the DOJ? So if you start to dig in, it starts to bring up uncomfortable and more uncomfortable questions, more uncomfortable things about institutions that people want to trust. So badly they want to trust these institutions. So badly they want to trust these people. They want to believe that these people that are there in these positions that they really, 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 they're hoping beyond hope that they're not what this could be alluding to that they may be. Now, I would love uh, an open and honest dialogue 
I would love a functional justice system that's transparent. I would love uh, the conversation to be able to be had without people having a misdirect or a character assassination whenever you get too close to something that people find uncomfortable. We'll probably have an army of trolls. If this, if this video goes and we start having 20, 30,000 people watching this, we'll probably have an army of trolls that will show up in the comment section to discredit and then uh, they'll unleash a bunch of bots to give a bunch of dislikes so that this conversation can't just be had. It gets buried, yeah. And so And so the burying of the conversation. Now, who's burying it? Why are they buried? Then see, so when we start to dig, the more that we start to dig, the more that we start to get more questions. And the answers that we start to find are not necessarily very pleasant. But what it does do is it also then stirs us to say, okay, well, now what else do we need to start looking at? Because now we start having to look at addressing systems. We start having to look at addressing the undercurrents of the very society that we live in, we start having to say that, okay, there's, there's institutions that need to be looked into. And see here, so you mentioned governments. Okay, well, in the States, government is supposed to be by the people and for the people. So if the government is not by the people and for the people, which we can all agree, it is, it's not anymore, right? We, that's apparent. So if that's the case, then the people need to say, okay, then we still need to work on having something that is by the people and for the people. So that's where, so instead of us, um, it's very easy to complain. You know, it's very easy to, to vent. It's very easy because it doesn't cost anything. And, and we can vent our frustrations, and we're, but we're still not engaged in, in something that's contributing to the solution. So if we say, okay, we don't have a representative government. Okay, well, what's that going to take to have a representative government? And maybe we don't have the answer, but let's start having the question. And I want that, I want that to be our major second topic is um, sure. how we can free this world and, and move forward as, as a human race of free people without government becoming tyrannical and just always ending up in this mire that has to be dealt with. And it happens every, you know, for some countries, it happens every few decades. Apparently for us, it's taken a few centuries. But so back to the child trafficking, yeah. um, I, I'd like to talk about demand um, and what you, where you think demand is coming from and then what can people do? Uh, it's, when, when we spoke of it being uncomfortable for people, um, I think the first time you hear some of the details about what happens to these children, you experience cognitive dissonance. I did. Yeah. When I heard about some of the, the worst things that happened to these children, I, I spoke out loud, I can't process that. I can't believe that. I'm gonna move on with my life and go, water my plants, you know, like I, that was yeah. not. And so, but I, so I had said, I, I can't deal with that, but my subconscious was dealing, was dealing with it over time. And then, so it's been a while. I've known about this for a while, about a year later, 
I heard about some of the horrible things again, and then my brain was ready for it because it had slowly been going, you can do it. You can do this, Betsy, you've got this. And so now I can have the conversation and it is ugly. And I, but like you said, I can't go lay on the beach and kick up my feet, go water my plants. And knowing that this is part of my world and I love people so much, I want to do something. So I want to ask you what it is from your perspective and what, what have you, what, what do you do when it comes to child trafficking? What have you seen? What, and then tell us what we can do. Okay. So, um, so first of all, you can still water your plants. You know, Thank we, you. we still have to have, we still have to have balance. Okay. We still have to have balance in our lives, in our world, but we can still engage in the solution. So this is something too where I, I want to emphasize that as well. Having balance will enable you to go much further in dealing with some of these things. So <clears throat> rounding that out a little bit, it's fine. Love going to the beach, love kicking up your feet, but also deal with these other things that are uncomfortable that need to be dealt with. Okay, when we talk about the issue of human trafficking, we're not just, we people bring up the issue of child trafficking because it's, it, it's, so so horrendous and it's it's so impactful but when we speak of the issue of human trafficking we're talking about it's a broad encompassing umbrella that covers um, um sex trafficking children women men sometimes too but um, but sex trafficking labor trafficking uh, organ trafficking uh, illegal adoption child soldiers uh unsafe migration those all fall under the broader definition of human trafficking. And so there's, there's different pieces that go into that. Yes, there's a demand side component to all of that. Um, so each one of those, you can look into um, the demand side component that goes with it. So for example, you, you brought up Haiti. Well, so while I was in Haiti um, and I was part of their, by, by request, I was part of the, uh, by, by international agencies request of me. I was part of the counter child trafficking, they call it the cluster, which is, uh, so the different agencies that come together and they share the information that, and the different efforts that they're making with regards to that. After the earthquake there, the conservative estimates were that there were 2 million vulnerable children at that time because housing was messed up, infrastructure was gone, the the border was porous. And, um, and so you had all these kids that were in camps. And there was already bad before, but after the earthquake, the vulnerability, when the vulnerability and the hazard um, come together, that's where you get that disaster. So after the earthquake, you had, um, you had huge vulnerability for 2 million kids. And because of that, basically, so from a financial side, the supply side dynamics, there's a huge supply available and wherever there was demand, it was being pulled through. So um, demand coming from the US, demand coming from across the border in the Dominican Republic um, and all those different places, well, because the demand was there, these kids were disappearing. So, um, and at that time, for example, I, didn't understand certain aspects too. Now I understand more, but I didn't understand 
where these kids, you know, because I was still learning as well. Like, who wants to take these plane loads of kids that are disappearing? So I'm sure you've seen shows like the drug cartels, you know, where they fly um, drugs up through, you know, on these planes and land in these unmarked airfields. Well, it's 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 a logistics operation. Well, if it's a logistics operation and just change the commodity that they're transporting, then then who's and then who has demand on those other sides? And for what reason and what purpose? Um, the sex trafficking, the the uh, there's and there's some very horrible other things that go along with all of that, some very evil people that are connected to all of that. There's very strong um, demand side uh, to that, which is the ugly side of humanity and the ugly side of what is in our world. But, um, but yeah, you know, so, so in that kind of a situation, so, okay, within the world of trafficking and counter-trafficking, there's sort of the broader piece that people talk about. There's those, there's uh, the four P's, right? There's the <clears throat> prevention, there's the protection, there's the prosecution. And then the fourth P is they talk about partnership. You know, this is kind of the generic conversation that people have. And I, it's kind of a bit shop-worn for me. But, um, you know, prevention, what can you do to, to, keep, to keep people out of harm's way? Uh, the uh, protection, you know, in that situation, what do you do to, to minimize um, and to protect the vulnerable? The prosecution, you do need to have functional law enforcement, functional justice systems to follow up on things that happen. And then on the uh, the partnership, you know, it's when people start working together that they can actually make a difference on these issues. So it's if people are working in isolation, you can do something, but it's th these issues are to see the solution that will require everyone coming together. So um, so yeah, I mean, any one of those issues can be a deep dive. You can go into organ trafficking and um, you know, I, I, so for example, I, I knew some people you know, from, from China that were very high up and, um, you know, early days, I had no idea about what was going on there with the organ trafficking, but medical tourism was a thing. And if people are on a wait list for a kidney in the States and they don't have a match and they're waiting and they're waiting and they're waiting and they can fly to China for two weeks and get a perfect match and come back and they don't have any ethics in the process. They, they might be completely unaware. It seems like they would be completely unaware that it was in, in not, not done under good circumstances, that they just thought it was a cheap, good organ that was available. Yeah, yeah. And, and, um, and so then when, once people start to dig in a little bit and they find out that um, kind of where this all is coming that's a very uncomfortable conversation now when you have apparently state-sponsored um, organ trafficking of minority groups in a country by a, a global superpower where does that conversation go so you know and who wants to have those conversations and we are, but um, 
you know, when that's a multi-billion dollar business and it is a way for them to monetize something that they would also want to get rid of anyways or deal with anyways. Now I'm speaking very much, uh, I'm not politically correct in my conversation because I don't have the time or the patience for it. Plus I do believe that political correctness is something that people use to shut down the conversation. Yeah, no, I want, that's, that. this podcast is about truth and freedom and fearlessness. And I want my guests to speak their truth and feel fearless because I don't, I don't see any point in living if you're not living truthfully and, um, and with, and without fear, there's no point in living in fear. So thank you. Yeah. Well, well, so, so we, but see, that's a whole different aspect under the umbrella of uh, human trafficking. And, um, but organ trafficking, and it's, it's a, you know, it's a very, very real thing. It's a very real experience for people that are, are, are there. Okay. Uh, I was going to say in, with the organ trafficking, like take China, for instance, I don't feel like there's anything that like American citizens or Sri Lankan citizens or people of the world, I don't, aside from making it uh, just being aware of it, which is a great thing. That's a great place to start. I don't really think there's much I can do when it comes to the human trafficking across the border in Texas, where I live, I, yeah. I want some, I want to be able to do something when it comes to kids getting snatched anywhere in the world. I just, I feel like the demand for um, prostitution in general, and I, I feel like it's being driven by this massive amount of porn that's available on the internet. And that's a whole conversation to have. I, I wanna have some guests on a, that specifically know about the porn, porn addiction and that problem, because I feel like it's gotta be driving this demand because people are getting perverted, you know, I don't know. Well, it's, it's I mean, that's, that's a whole nother uh, part of this and a whole nother piece of the conversation, but it's definitely contributing to demand. And it's definitely, um, it's definitely affecting people's psychology in a negative and an adverse way. It's also, um, it's also inhibiting their ability to have uh, healthy relationships and meaningful and fulfilling relationships. So again, too, this is um, contributing to that lower frequency, that lower vibration. And, um, and, and as people kind of go in that direction, if you find more and more things in that place. So this is part of where, where for us, on an individual level, when we do our part to, to engage in our own development, then we can then also begin to work on the solutions in what we see about us. So for example, you said, you talked about the border of Texas. Well, yeah, okay, so aware of what's going on potentially in a place like China, engaged in what's going on in a place like Texas. So the conversation there becomes, okay, around something like what's happening in Texas. Well, um, what is taking place out there? You know, where, where, um, what is the actual situation? Not, not what, is, uh, what are we being told? Because we find so often that the narrative is being shaped, the conversation is being shaped by the controllers of information. You know, there's, there's a lot of times that I've had my own experience where I've been in places, I've been on the ground, I have, and I have seen and known things, and I've never seen that conversation being had anywhere else. So 
you know, like the, so like, for example, in, in Haiti, um, after the earthquake and there was a cholera epidemic. Well, the, the cholera epidemic was the result when you go and you talk to the Haitians who traced it back, um, it was the direct result of a set of UN peacekeepers that were brought in from Nepal who had the South Asian cholera stream cholera in their system that were put on the outskirts by the Atibana River that where they violated sphere standards in disposing of raw sewage and they're just basically sending it straight into the water. And that was where cholera got introduced because that was where the first outbreaks of cholera came from in Haiti was there. And then it went into the cities and everywhere else, and it was a South Asian strain of cholera. So it didn't result as it didn't come out of, you know, these camps that were overpopulated. It came out of, um, of basically UN peacekeepers that were brought in that were violating that they didn't set up the camps right. Now that when did that come anywhere in the world in the press? Did you hear about that in the press? No. No, but everybody talked about a cholera epidemic, but nobody talked about where it actually came from. And the Haitians in the country were the ones that clued me in on what happened. So, so it, it's, and because who wants to cover that story? You know, what, what mainstream outlet who depends on their paychecks not coming from people in Haiti, but coming from a whole different set of people that have a whole different set of motives and agendas. And will they want to cover and pick up that story? Because you know what? There's a ton of stories that they can pick up. So why don't they pick up something that is going to be in line with um, the people that are paying their bills? And a lot of them do that. And then pretty soon you end up with a controlled narrative and uh, something that, that reinforces a lot of the things that we know are wrong. Yeah, I think people are waking up to that. At least the people I know are, you know, I'm seeking my information anywhere but mainstream. Uh, obviously, I've, I've been aware of that being propaganda for decades. So yeah. I, in my opinion, if it's being said in the mainstream media, it's probably propaganda. It There may be a thread of truth in it, but that's not going to be the truth. So... Uh, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's unfortunate, but um, it's, well, I mean, whoever said that these were the, um, the bastions of truth, but they have a voice and they have a platform. So because they have a voice and because they have a platform and because they're able to get their information out there in front of a lot of people, people give it a certain level of credibility. Okay, so back to the child trafficking, human trafficking issue. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned just being in a, um, a positive place yourself. I've told my children to watch out for the dark side because it's a slippery slope. If you start lying or if one of your friends comes over and says, hey, let's tag this building and you do it, if you start thinking of yourself as a criminal, if you're like, yeah, I do bad things, then you'll do bad things because we do what we think we are. We we are one of the things that's um, 
true for the psychology of humans for the most part across the board is we stay congruent with our subconscious thoughts of who we are. And so if you think of yourself as a good person, then no, I don't do that. That's not what I do. But if you think, and so it's hard because there's so many opportunities, particularly as an adolescent and a young person to start going down the dark side and um, you have to stay in the light and, and shine the light. I truly believe that that's like, you know, like you said, go to the beach and kick up your feet, shine your light. Um, where can we go and what can we do as human beings? How can we come together and raise the, the light level on the planet? I know by doing it individually to the people that we meet every day, that it's helpful. Um, I, I kind of want to leave my listeners here with action they could take to help the, this, this massive elephant in the room problem that we have that's just horrendous. What, what can people do? Well, so in your location, in your area, it's gonna be a little bit case specific because there's gonna be some things that will be, you know, in Sri Lanka that people can do that won't necessarily apply to what you're gonna be doing in Texas. But first of all, one, knowing that there's a problem to unashamedly bringing that conversation up and saying, okay, what are we doing? Um, we can bring these things forward in the conversation, be it in the business community, in the political conversation. We can bring those kind of things up. And, and so that is, so that is, um, so for example, people that are political that watch your show, ask those conversations to your legislators that are, that are there and bring that up and say, okay, what is happening on the border? How many of these people that are crossing the border are being trapped? What are the statistics? Are those statistics accurate? How do you measure them? Bring, bring the engagement and the attention and the light into those dark places. Shine the light on those things so that the conversation is being brought out. Because once you have the right information, you can then begin to take the right corrective actions. And so when you start taking those actions, and those actions can be very much um, individual. So you know, one set, on one side, you, you talked about how we align with what we believe. If, if we start switching from a place of you know, hopelessness and despair to, you know what, this is, there's a solution to this and we're looking for the solution and we know that it's there and we're expecting it, then what are we gonna start seeing? We're gonna all be looking for solutions. We're gonna be expecting it and the kind of things that will emerge and come to the surface are gonna be things that help and contribute, which we then have the responsibility and the power to action. So, I mean, it can be something, and, and this is where too, I, I truly believe it's also going to be in line with who you are and your makeup. So for example, some people are tremendous caregivers and they're very good at helping restore people. So they may get involved in that aspect. Some people are exceptional in the world of law and what they need is tools and a green light. So they may, may just need to be able to bring that forward and they may need the power. There's people that are exceptional in the world of tech that I know, but they need to know that they can apply the particular use of technology to this problem. And as soon as they understand that the technology could be applied to this problem, all of a sudden now their, their wheels start turning and they say, Absolutely. What do I need to do? How do I put that to work? So I'll give you an example. Just say somebody who's involved in technology. 
but they don't know how they could be involved in counter traffic. Well, okay, let's talk about something like the blockchain. Well, the blockchain is an immutable public ledger. So if you can start having evidence gathered that is written to the blockchain that can at some point be followed up on by law enforcement and civil society, and it doesn't go away, it's uncomfortable as it is. And even if you have corrupt judges and corrupt legislators there today, maybe six years from now, you have a whole different set of people that want to come in. They can go and they can follow up on these things, provided that somebody made sure that it didn't go anywhere. So you can do something in whatever area that you are in, but first you have to take responsibility, know your individual skill set, where you can help, and get involved in that part. And some people, you may just be a very good mobilizer. Maybe you're none of those things, but you're very good at bringing people together that are. I, I love this because it's, I love that what, exactly what we're doing, having the conversation and not letting it get buried. Just keep having the conversation because the, the I love what you just said. It's kind of the bloom where you're planted, use your skills, whatever they are. And action is all that matters. We can sit and talk, talk, talk. We're taking action by sitting here together today and bringing awareness. And if knowledge, even wisdom without action is, there's, there's, it's meaningless really. So you're getting into the name of faith. It's, there's a belief, but it also has to be combined. It has to be mixed with action. You have to do something. You know, and, and we, in the end, truly, we, we do what we truly believe. We, in the end, we do that. So you may believe something, but we actually, in the end, the action we take is in line with our true beliefs. We, sometimes people may like to believe that they think something, but it is the actions that they take that are going to be in line with the core belief of who they are. They may not like it, but that's, that's who they, because, okay. So, you know, I sometimes use the example exercise because it's something people can relate. They may like to believe they want to be dead, but the action that they take is going to show what is, is it worth that effort for them to actually go down that path? The, the engagement, will they go from, because they believe they need to, but is that belief strong enough to then move them into taking some step, scheduling it in, you know, making that commitment, getting a buddy that does it with you, whatever it takes for you to move in that particular direction. So we, in the end, truly engage in and act out of what we truly believe. A lot of people would, we, a lot of people think they believe something, but your actions will actually reveal what your true belief is. And a lot of people don't like that revelation, but that is much more consistent with um, our true self, not our portrayed self, not our, the way that we would like to be perceived, but who we actually are when nobody's looking. Yeah. Well, so the other big topic that I thought would be fun to cover with you is a big one. 
we, we can't save the entire world today. But the other thing that has been a problem for me for decades is government, governmental tyranny, basically. The idea that these, these people who decide that they wanna get into politics and govern other free people and tell them what to do and restrict their freedoms tend to be the people that shouldn't be governing us. They, they're the narcissists and um, just sociopaths and they rise to power and then they're not good people. So they're, they're already on the dark side. And then they've got this power where they can <clears throat> either print money or take tax money, <clears throat> excuse me, and pay it off to their buddies. I was explaining this to my kid yesterday. I was like, okay, so we need military airplanes. So a politician figures out how to get his buddy to be the contractor who gets the 900 billion and then for the contract. And then the contractor <clears throat> gives the politician, you know, lines his pockets with a few billion dollars. And uh, it's, this, it's this sick corruption that ends up happening. And it seems like, and I heard Ron Paul, who's one of my heroes, I heard him say the other day that obviously, and I'm gonna just paraphrase, obviously there was, our constitution is flawed because look what it has allowed for. And that's just heartbreaking to me because the constitution is, is like one of the, the things that I cling to. And I, um, and I know there's people all over the world that, that cling to our constitution because without it, the, the world, we would fall into a one world global government tyranny. We've got Agenda 21, we've got Agenda 2030. It's on the table, it's out in the open, <clears throat> it is not hidden. And they want to you to own nothing and be happy. And it's gotten insanely outrageous and... <clears throat> I was screaming about, not screaming about it. I was so mad about this 10 years ago. I ran for Congress as a libertarian in 2012. And uh, my, my slogan was got freedom. And that's still my slogan. This is freedom junkie radio. I am, I feel like there's gotta be a better way. And one day I'm gonna get my cousin on here who can sit and spout about the philosophy of anarchy and how we really could do without government. What on earth, in your opinion, if you've gone down there in your mind, what can we do as free humans where other humans shouldn't be above us? What do we do about this thing called federal government that, that right now is going to tell us we need to have vaccine passports in order to go anywhere? It's getting crazy. Okay, so um, that, so we're getting into... Um, an issue of control. You know, this is the, the, the bigger word is that control. So we're talking about control. When, and the issue of control. Let me just bring one small bridge between the issue of human trafficking and government, which is also um, money and the creation of economy and the, the resources of our world. So there is a one-to-one -one correlation between the likelihood that somebody will be trafficked and their access to financial services. 
there's a very high correlation between the type of, of, of uh, things that relate to the resources of our world and the vulnerabilities that it creates to put people in the situation where they can be affected by the supply side dynamics of human trafficking. So then there's a the demand on the other side. But so when it comes to governments, we're talking about the systems that are there that are in place that are supposed to be there to serve humanity. These are called quote unquote public servants that, that they, they go with the title, but who are they serving? So when we, when we have to, when we start looking at this, the frustration that people have is because they know it can be better and they know it shouldn't be like this, yet it is. And, you know, we, we want to have, um, we want to have something that's good, but, you know, we don't see that. And then people, they, the, the next guy comes in and he's just as bad as the last parties change, but it, it still goes in this particular track. So back to, you know, again, by the people and for the people. So this is where the people themselves need to begin to come together. And this is where one of the things that's going, first of all, you fix you. Start there. We have to start from within, and then we can be of service with that. So we have to first start there. Because so often people want something out there to be fixed, but then we don't deal with ourselves. We don't deal with that. So first start there. If you want that larger manifestation, the chance for it and to be a part of that, you got to do some work. Everybody's got work to do there. So, you know, this is, this is universal. This is part of our journey here. We have work to do on and within ourselves. So start there. Then when it comes to, um, so is it by the people? Is it for the and we, we can bring that out. And when it's not by the people or for the people, when we start mobilizing, we start coming together, the, there's strength in numbers. This is why they try to keep people isolated. This is why they try to keep people divided. So one thing that I believe is very important is you need to understand the tactics that are used to keep people from being able to come together to use the collective voice for the things that they all universally want. And so what they do is they keep people divided so that they can be controlled. I'll give you an example from South Asia. So at the height of the British Empire, there was about 3,000 troops they had in India, and they were controlling over a billion people. Now, how do you control a billion people with 3,000 troops? They kept everybody divided against each other, and then you didn't need much in the way of manpower because people were fighting themselves. So... All over the world, this tactic of divide and control, divide and conquer, has been used. And you have so many subdivisions, so many different ways, so many micro labels that people can apply to themselves. And they take it. They choose. They, they, they engage with it. Because as soon as I engage, can I call myself a this or that? Um, now, I'm. what am I doing? I am now establishing myself to then be in conflict with the opposite. 
of whatever that may be. And it's, it's fantastic division politics when you can have two sides, because then you just put them at each other with that one little thing that divides and separates, not going forward in the 90% that we all agree on. You know, you can take some of the people that you may have the worst odds with, but if you actually came together and you sat down, you probably would agree on 90% of the things that you feel are truly important, but they get us to focus on purpose on the things that we disagree on so that we so that we don't actually engage and move forward on anything. This is where the issue of human trafficking is actually quite powerful. There was that was something where I saw across political lines, didn't matter what people's political backgrounds were, people said, yeah, you can't do that. You shouldn't be doing that. If anybody that attempts humanity within them, at least their overt stance, even if they were engaged with it privately, overtly, they were human trafficking as well. This shouldn't be there. What must we do to fix it? So there were certain things where people could say they, they came because they knew that it was wrong. There's some things that just like, it is such an affront to your humanity. You know that you need to do something. But we need to be coming together around things that we agree on. And so this is where proactively we should be saying, find people that you disagree with and say, let me have a, let's have a conversation. What do we agree on? We can fight all day, but let's, let me, let me ask you a question. What do we agree on? Where, 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 where are we in agreement? And let's look for that. I would like to find that common ground. What, what, what does that look like for you? I mean, do we agree that everybody should be eating nutritious food? Do we agree that we would like to have the, the, the best wellness and health in, in our bodies, whatever that might look like? Now, we may have some differences in what the application is, but the general principle, are we in agreement on that? Are we in agreement that we would like to have as much as possible, the least toxic environment to live in so that, um, so that we could have the best quality of life where it is that we live right now in this moment. Um, what do we agree on? Okay, let's take a pile of things we disagree on. Let's write them down and let's put this over here. We can just fill up that jar with things we disagree on and we can get back to those later. But what do we agree on? And wherever we're in agreement, can we begin to work together on solutions for that? Because we agree. And so, so find those places of agreement with people that you might be at, otherwise be, you might be told you're at enmity with these people, but find the places where you have that agreement because then you can say, you know what, in our time together, whatever it may be, however short it may be, how about we do something together on what we agree on? And let's 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 reserve an hour a week to fight it out for the things we disagree on. Like let's just go at it. When we fight, let's fight, but let's 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 change the dynamic. Let's spend this this much time fighting and let's spend this much time working on what we agree on. That's, it sounds like fun. You're smiling while you're saying that. And uh, so right now, the big divide is so visible here. I don't know what it's like in Sri Lanka, but in central Texas, it is, they have divided us and it's visible now. It's mask wearers and regular people. 
I don't call them anti-maskers because we're just living our lives the way that we always did forever, which is not with a mask on. And so it seems like, I mean, it's visible. You can see who like listens to the news. You can see who you would call sheep. I mean, I don't know. I I don't want to insult anyone. I feel for them. I really do. Um, They don't feel for me. They hate me. You know, they hate you if you're not wearing a mask. It's, uh, and I'd love to walk up to them and be like, hey, what do we agree on? You know, and have a conversation and break through that because it is a visible barrier. Um, but we obviously would agree on most things. Yeah. And, and you know, um, now then this is back to my personal viewpoint. I'll say something like it's a mask. But, you know, that for me, because it says it on the box, doesn't prevent COVID. So, uh, you know, for me, I, what those kind of things have been used as is tools to get people divided. Because, okay, like, let's, let's go, you know, immunology, virology. Wash your hands. If you wash your hands, that's a better deterrent. That's the first thing you teach your kids you know, like in cleanliness, you come back in the house, you've been playing outside, go wash your hands at the same thing, you sit down, you have a snack, like wash your hands. Why? Because that is a better preventer of infection, historically, but you can't visually see if somebody's washed their hands or not, but you can visually see if somebody's wearing or not wearing a mask. So, so for me, when I look at the way that something like that has been used, it's been used from what I've seen as a way to create the type of division that that we're having because it doesn't have as much to do with prevention of infection as it has to do with who's winning and controlling the narrative around this. So, you know, if people, for me, this is again, my personal viewpoint on this matter. If you wanna wear one, go ahead. I don't wanna wear one. But if you want to wear one, go ahead. But that's your individual right as a person. You feel like you need to. You take responsibility for your body, for your health, for your wellness. That's it. That's on you. And if it works for you and you feel like it works for you, go for it. If I choose not to wear one, that's my choice. And incidentally, all non-mask wearers should have died of COVID 50 times over by now, but they're still walking around. So, but that's their choice. This is part of people being responsible in society and taking, for they themselves, making decisions for themselves and living with the positive or negative repercussions of those actions. We don't need something, some big, people can give you guidelines. Sure, this is a recommendation. Thank you very much. I'll take that into consideration. But it is the, this is where too, um, you know, we shouldn't be afraid to have these conversations and people should, shouldn't be afraid of the, uh, the scrutiny for one side or the other. So if somebody says you're going to die because you're not wearing a mask, okay, that's my choice. You know, or, um, or you're going to die because you're wearing a mask. Okay, that's your choice. Fine. But then let people carry on and live their lives. Somebody else gets a tattoo. Fine. You had a tattoo. I, that's your thing. Do, do you do you? Mm-hmm. It's okay. 
And 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 this is this is what I like though. You've got a better chance in a place like Texas because people still have it's very much in the core. I mean, I lived in Austin for you know, I was there until like three years ago. I'll probably be back there again pretty soon. Um, so I mean, I love Central Texas. It is very much my driver's license is still Central Texas. So I am very much I love the ethos that is in the heart of people in Texas. And but here's the thing. Understand how you're getting played. And instead of having the conversation that that the controllers are trying to get you to have, have your own conversation. Here's one thing I don't like about the alternative. The mainstream media will put out the narrative and the alternative media will basically give their response to the mainstream media's narrative. So whatever the mainstream puts out, here's our alternative response, in which case it's a game of ping pong and it's still the same conversation. Interesting. Have your own conversation. You know what I would rather talk about? I would rather talk about, um, you know, let's, let's talk about a redesign of our financial systems. Let's talk about what's it gonna take for us to be able to have um, the most nutritious food in everybody's body within a 12 mile radius. Let's talk about what it's gonna take to have um, healthy, protected communities where everybody feels great going out and about and experiencing their, their, their neighborhoods. What, let's have, why not us begin to shape the narrative instead of responding to the control points that they keep wanting to force down your throat, which is also what the alternative press has by and large become, which that's not serving anybody. It maybe it, keeps a viewership, but it's not serving it. That's interesting because I have not watched the mainstream media in 25 years, but it still filters through to me. I still know what's over there because, because like you said, that's what I'll see on my, you know, the, the alternative uh, ways of finding information that I have are, like you said, responding to that. I happen to know what Joe Biden said yesterday, even though I've never seen him on TV. You know, so it's true. This question um, is if Joe Biden's actually been on TV. I don't, there's, that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. I, people are watching CGIs and all that. I, I don't know. This is very strange what's going on over there. It is. There's. Um, I just feel like we all need to do what we can, and that's why I'm doing this. And I, yeah. Um, you know, the idea was, what can we do to um, change this? Like you were saying, by the people, for the people. So, so let's keep going. So, so start with you. Do the do the work. You fix you. Then find out where we are in agreement with people that you would otherwise think that you're in disagreement. So, so again, you know, it's amazing, but there's, you can come together if you focus on the things that you, I'll, I'll give you a story of my grandfather. Just, so I have two grandfathers. I have my American grandfather, you know, served in World War II, you know, he's a pilot, all this great stuff, really cool guy. And then I have my Sri Lankan grandfathers, totally different guy started the first ad agency in this country, just very much, just totally different characters. And uh, their stories kind of come into my conversations because I was close to both of them. 
<clears throat> but um, so my Sri Lankan grandfather, he shared the story with me one time. Um, a teacher went in to teach an art class. He was a substitute teacher. And uh, first day of class, he goes in and he picks up this piece of paper and he draws this black dot on the middle of this piece of paper and he rolls it up to the class. And he says, um, okay, he says, everybody, I want you to give you 20 minutes. I'm going to write, I want you to write 200 words on this. And, uh, and then they all, and then they all finish their writing. And then he has them all read what they wrote about. And then after they finish, um, he says, you know, what's interesting. Every one of you wrote about that black dot in the middle of the page, but none of you wrote about all the white space that was surrounding and the point was, was that everybody's just focused on this one little tiny, tiny thing. They missed everything else that was going on, which was the bulk of the page. And that's what is happening to people so often, is they're being told, look over here, look over here. This is what we want you to focus on. Focus on this for the day, whatever it might be. You know, trouble with the royal family, some celebrity over here, Roy being attacked by a tiger, whatever it may be. Look over there, but don't look over here. And when you start saying, whatever that is over there, it's not, it's irrelevant. Here's what I want to look at. Here's what I want to focus on. Here's what I'm going to, you need to start having that focus within yourself and stay the course so that you can see some things come to fruition. So that's, that's different because now you are no longer being thrown to and fro by whatever it is that's the, the, the flavor of the day, breads and circuses, whatever it might be, you are actually saying very deliberately, I'm moving forward in this particular direction. The conversation is gonna be around these aspects. I'm aware about what's going on around. So I have a saying, I say be aware, but not distracted. You know, you can be aware, but just don't be distracted. You can be aware about what's going on around you, but don't let those things consume you. You set the course because that's part of being a sovereign, free individual is you're able to make that choice. You're able to say, this is going to be my focus. This is going to be what I put priority on in my life and in the world. And as a result of that, the experience, you will be the one that shapes the narrative, not them. Okay, so we're free and sovereign, kind of right now and um but if agenda 2030 get, takes root we won't be like we need to get involved and you have a history with the un what do you know about 2030 well okay so let me so with so i was asked to do some uh work as a contractor uh, so i was a senior advisor to the the, the uh, world food program um, so, I mean, I'm aware, I know these guys that have been in some of those circles and, um, you know, when they've wanted me to work in a deeper level and bring, be further drawn into that, but I'm just kind of like, <clears throat> there's certain things that I wanted to work on and there's certain things that I've not wanted. Um, I'm aware about some things in the sense that, you know, I've definitely seen a push for digital IDs. I've definitely seen a push towards biometrics. I've definitely seen, you know, tie-ins between, you know, World Bank and, and different different things that are being pushed forward as, as priorities. 
um, at the same time too, sometimes I hear people putting putting out pieces like talking about UN troops. You know, oh, the UN troops are going to come in and they're going to do, and they just cracks me up because I've seen the UN troops in different places, and I wouldn't hardly call them a fighting force. Um, so, so for me, you know, the UN troops, they're basically in the places I've seen them, they're there just to take care of the UN. And, you know, if they come from a developing country, they get the worst assignments. If they come from a first world country, the UN troops get to be close to the city. And so they're not exactly even like some unified cohesive group. So I, I think there's people that take certain liberties with certain things. Here's the thing. Whatever policies that people say are going to be there, are going to be put out, those are just a policy. And somebody can have some mad, crazy idea somewhere. But somewhere along the way, we as free, free sovereign people say, no, that's not going to happen. And that's not going to happen here. And that's not going to happen within our experience. And you've seen that within the states. You have <clears throat> governors that made very deliberate decisions about what would happen in their state. You had sheriffs, you had uh, mayors, you've had people that have made very deliberate decisions about what would and what would not happen within their, now this is political <clears throat> Same time you have families, you have people that have moved, you have people that have said, you know what? This is not a hospitable place for the kind of person that I am. And I'm choosing to move from this location to another location. Um, you know, when it comes to the, the group of the UN, you know, if it was at the core what it would like to propose to be on the surface, it could do some good. It could do really help something. But it's just another entity and it's filled with people that have all kinds of agendas. Some people in there are trying to do the right thing. There's other people in there that are for there for, for other purposes. But for me, any organization, government, religious, church, business. It's made up of people. And it's made up of people that are making decisions. And I think sometimes we give, we give entities, even governments, we give them way too much credibility because they're made up of people. And you can have, if the people themselves make good decisions, we, we oftentimes, we attribute the actions of individual people and we give it to a corporation. We say, my gosh, look at what this is company did like this amazing thing it's still people it's still people that made decisions good or bad that resulted in a particular action we love to remove the humanity off of that and then give that over to this nebulous entity you know none of it's not it's made up of people all these things are made up of people and when we begin to recognize the powers within us we're the people so here's the thing for me if, if there are people that want to work together to solve something, okay, what can we work together to solve? What can we work together to fix? Let's, I'm going to focus on that part. And to the extent that we can do that, we can continue to go forward. To the extent that we can't do that, let's part ways. Let's part ways on amicable, good terms, and let's keep going. So, you know, I, I you know, for me, I have this huge cross-section of people that I know all over the world, all around multiple continents, all these different places. And my thing is, if we can come together to do something to help 
and to, to, to improve the lives of the people around us, let's talk about it. what can we do? And if we can, then let's, let's work. If we can't, then, you know, wish you the best in your journey on this life. And, um, okay. So, so, you know, when we talk about, and I know those things are out there about agenda 25, agenda 2030, and I've heard those conversations here and there, but I think there's a lot of plans that people have had for humanity that aren't necessarily for humanity, and they haven't come to pass, and they've been broken up, and they've, they've fallen to the wayside. And as long as we, here's the thing, if you don't abrogate your personal responsibility, you say, look, I am responsible. I'm responsible for my world. I'm responsible for I'm responsible for the people around me. I am going to do what I can to, and I don't, you don't, I don't need Big Brother to take care of me. Thank you very much. We're good. We're good here. You need some help over there? Okay, I can help you out. We're good here. I'm going to come from a position of strength. I'm going to do what I can to help you. Oh, you're speaking my language now. Yeah. I mean, it's easy to focus on the, the negative and stuff. I mean, I, I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that, that, that you don't have a, being even on, as an insider somewhat to not be afraid of, of Agenda 21 or Agenda 2030 in the future. I mean, it is a sinister plan and it's written yes. out. And I know that it's written by people um, and it's people who wanna run the world and control the rest of us and control the population in a big way, but not to focus. And I also know that, that part of the plan is to infiltrate our local governments, which apparently they've done. So I can go you know, down that path. It's a path of fear and, and hopelessness, but I love how you brought it back around to personal responsibility. Instead of placing blame, what am I doing and how am I responsible? Because ultimately I am. So I really do appreciate that. Um, and, and you know, I, 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 there's, there's all kinds of amazing, wonderful, great people out there in all different places. And there's all kinds of evil, horrible people that are running around too. But when I've traveled, I've seen so much wonderful, surprisingly wonderful elements of humanity that are out there that, um, okay. I, I, at one point I had a chance, I had some friends that were um, wonderful close friends that are out of New Mexico and used to be um, very much involved in, in the movie and the film industry. And, and they still are actually still making things. And they had said, go into here, take the RV. And for three months I had this RV and I just toured the entire Southwest. And I went through, in fact, that's part of how I ended up in Austin, but uh, through Texas, um, through Mississippi, through Louisiana, uh, through New Mexico. And when I was taking this tour and people like, oh my gosh, there, there's a lot of people that I'd fear about, you know, going by yourself, you go to Mississippi, what's gonna happen? You know, all those kind of things. I had the most amazing experience and I met so many amazing, wonderful people. 98% of my experience was overwhelmingly positive with all these wonderful people that would welcome you into their, just their world. They're, they're like, oh man, I can't believe you're only gonna be here for a few days. Please, you should, I wish you were here for longer because this is gonna be going on. We can have you to come out to this thing. I mean. People, people are awesome. People, people are amazing. Are, they really, they really are. And when they have the chance to express that, 
you, you get surprised. But here's the thing. When you turn on the mainstream and they get you to focus on that black dot on that white page and look over there because that one horrible thing that happened somewhere in this world of 7 billion people, 8 billion people, that thing is what you should think about today and be, be afraid. It's like, okay, maybe that thing happened. Maybe it didn't happen the way that you're trying to portray it, but maybe something happened there. But why are you trying to get me to be, you know, because actually, by and large, 7 billion people woke up again today. Well, what I just, it kind of blew me away there that people would even say, oh, watch out for Mississippi. Mississippi's awesome. There's nothing wrong. Well, no, I, but you know what, but you know what I'm saying? Depends on the communities, depends on, and, and people, so when you, when you open yourself up, you're going to, I, I truly believe that the, the best of humanity is out of us, but we've got to get through some of these rocky patches. And we've got to deal with some things that need to be dealt with. That's important. Hey, Govinda, can I, just a second, my dog is whining at the door. Let me go let her in and we'll, hold on. I'm gonna make a, you would have to. Okay. Well, and I guess we probably ought to wind it up. Um, uh, so the, I am, I would love to talk to you for like eight hours. <laughs> um, um, what, is there anything, since we're going to have to wrap this up, um, I love that you've brought it to personal responsibility, to not focusing on what they've told us to focus on and to take action. Um, is there anything else that you would like to leave us with that you can think of? Well, I think we're also at a place where we can all begin to, and we're doing it, but build the systems that we want. Because we can. We can build the systems that we want. We, you know, I, I, I've got friends in government in different places. I've worked with people. And I've had these conversations with them face-to-face. -face, and I've told government officials, I said, look, in the States, I said, government is by the people and for the people. To the extent that you're still buying for the people, you'll still be in the conversation, but you're going to be left behind. You're not going to be in the conversation. The conversation will, the people will have moved on without you. Now, that's going to happen. There will be a place as humanity continues to develop where we may just outgrow them. And, and we may not, we may, we may grow past even the need for them. If they can't fulfill the purpose if they're no longer useful if they're no longer fulfilling the purpose we may move past that i mean you have just in the world of tech you have technology companies this is not a good thing necessarily but that are bigger than countries right you have you economically participation engagement you, you know more powerful than how did that happen but but it just shows that that there is elements of the engagement of the mind, the thought process, the use. We have we have fiat currency systems around the world, and tell me one that's never gone to zero. So, but because they refuse to participate in giving a, a store of value that works for the people, 
But now if there's alternatives that come up that work and the people themselves switch and they say, you know what, this is fine. I think we'll use this instead because this is a way for us to, um, to store value, participate, share. Maybe it's universal barter. Maybe it's who knows what will come up. But whatever we come up with, and then all of a sudden now, we, their, their, their system that they're trying to force on us, and we say, you know, actually, maybe we don't want to participate in that. So okay. you can keep your, your fiat because we're doing something else right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I also go through a process. Yeah, there'll, yeah. there'll be a process of first demeaning and then, and then trying to demonize and then trying to force you to, but at some point, you know, when, when we reach a critical mass of people that understand and say, you know what, I think I'm going to go with this other idea, then um, that's part of back to the control structures, the desires to control your thoughts, your mind, and your direction. When you start taking responsibility for your own mind and you start then being deliberate about your thoughts, now that in and of itself um, it becomes powerful. Whatever you imagine you can create. Yes. Yes. Because we are. What, what, think about it like this. Every major incredible invention that's ever happened started with a thought. And it usually started with the thought of somebody that maybe they didn't like the way that something would be done or they thought something could be done better. And all of a sudden they said, you know what, that could be done a little different. And they, so it began with the imagination, began with the creativity. And it probably began with a bunch of naysayers that said, because the people that were used to it being a certain way. And then somebody went forward and it went from imagination to creation to the reality that everybody experiences today where people say, I can't imagine life without this thing. So we diminish our own power and ability way too much. And we should be going forward in who we really are and knowing that, that we, we can create far more than any of these obstacles, just you yourself, but come together collectively around what we agree upon. And if there's a government that would like to support us in that, great. Here's what you can do. That's wonderful advice to remember that we are creating it and that we're powerful and that we do have power. Our, our, that energy that we emanate from us and that we're creating and that we're, our imagination. Thank you so much for that positive reminder to end on because it's not, doom and gloom it's not no 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 it's it's not doom and gloom at all i'm actually extremely hopeful for what is coming up and um like i said i believe it's just we're a little bit of a rough patch it's a little turbulence if you would but we're still we're still flying and we're still flying high and um it's a it's a good opportunity for people to um, reevaluate what's what's real and what's important. This has actually been a tremendous growth opportunity for people all over the world. We just need to to to, to use it as such. Yep, people are 
opening their eyes and opening their hearts and seeing and thinking in a way we didn't have to 20 years ago. You could just pay attention to the top 40 music or, you know, and now it's like, no, what's really important? And conversations have changed. It's hard to talk about what kind of dog you have or, you know, what, how, how your brother's doing, you know, it's unimportant anymore. What is, is important. And I'm finding those conversations all the time. So, um, well, Govinda, I look forward to the next time that you will join me. And if there's ever, if you feel like you want, there's something you want to say, you have a platform I, right here. I love talking to you. And so until next time. Until we meet again, um, all the best to you and to your listeners. And uh, thank you very much um, for having me on. I appreciate it. And um, yeah, no, this is good. So yeah, we've, to, we've yeah, got to wrap it up to somewhere. So yeah, I know. So it sounds good. Well, thank you, everybody. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, if people want to troll our archives, uh, faithmix.com and stuff there, the site hasn't been updated for a decade, but um, the information's still there. So. And speaking of that, how could, if, if someone were interested in contacting you and interviewing you and knowing more about you, what are what is your contact? Well, so the thing that I use just for the, the podcasting side, just faith makes a Gmail. That's fine. I mean, we people can reach us through that. And I've got a couple other friends that have kept everything going there because um, you know, there's, just, there's a lot of different pieces that need to be functional. So, um, but yeah, you can just contact us through the website. Okay, so it's, it's faith, faithmix.com. I'll put that in the show notes. Yeah, that's enough. And uh, as they just kind of browse around there and listen to a couple of things, they'll find out what they need. Okay. Well, All right. how do you say goodbye in Sri Lankan? Um, I, I just say goodbye, but... Uh, <laughs> do, do, they speak, do they speak English in Sri yeah, Lanka? They speak, they speak, they speak three languages. They speak uh, English, they speak Sinhalese, they speak Tamil. So Sri Lanka was a former British colony, so English is very much you know, part of the, the dialogue, but um, it was also colonized by the Dutch and Portuguese. So you have those words to kind of come in and out of the vocabulary. It's oh, so, what, someone told me to ask you about the Tamil tigers. Oh, that's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> okay. Um, we, we, we'll, we'll, we'll have to do a whole nother show. Okay. But um, no, this, yeah. This, this, All right. This, no, that was kind of a joke because we are wrapping it up. Yeah. Right. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, Thanks for tuning in. Until next time. I live better than a king ever did. I live better than a king.